0: hello everyone welcome into another episode of kentucky daily a daily podcast covering your university of kentucky wildcats i'm sean smith this episode is powered by blue wire pods it's also powered by the butcher's pub with two locations one in palmville and one in williamsburg kentucky and then a third location will be opening next month april 15th in london kentucky you can visit the ButchersPub.com. check them out on facebook uh, three Facebook pages there just by typing in the Butcher's Pub Pineville, the Butcher's Pub Williamsburg, or the Butcher's Pub London. And uh, any questions, any information you're looking for, you can find it all there. Uh, this is Mailbag Friday. Today's episode will be a lot different. It will just be me flying solo for the Mailbag episode. Uh, Derek has given me permission to share with you. His, his grandmother passed away uh, this morning, so Derek will not be on Kentucky Daily today. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with uh, with my friend uh, as his family goes through this, this weekend and into next week. Derek will return to the podcast as soon as everything uh, settles down there and he and he returns to Lexington. But he's he's at home in Corbin right now with his family. So I will cover the mail, mailbag episode on my own, so please be patient with me. Uh, this is a hard episode to get through on your own because it's a lot of discussion back and forth, but I will do my best. Uh, to make sure that I answer all your questions in detail and everything. I've got all the questions here in front of me. So I'm going to start with the football side of things before we transition into uh, the basketball questions. So Dewey, I'm going to start with your question first. Who will the quarterback be? Well, if you had asked me that in December, I probably would have told you that Bo Allen would be the quarterback. I think Derek and I both assumed late last season that Bo would be the guy Obviously, Joey Gatewood's still there pushing. But the moment that Kentucky got a commitment and signature from Will Levis, that's when my opinion changed. And the reason that I will say Levis is because Liam Cohen handpicked Levis. That's the guy that he was familiar with, and that's the guy that I think that once he came in and kind of saw the quarterback room, and I think it had more to do with just the lack of experience there with Joey Gatewood and Bo Allen. Maybe when Liam got the job, He was thinking, you know, maybe this isn't what we need in first year, breaking in a new offense. Maybe we still need to give these other guys time. They will obviously compete this spring. They will compete this summer. And they will certainly be a part of the conversation when Levis gets on campus later this year. But I'm going to predict that Levis will be the starting quarterback at Kentucky for the season coming up. Staying on the football topic, a question from Walker here. With Gavin Wimsett looking like he is going to Rutgers, where does the staff turn in terms of quarterback recruiting? Very, very good question, Walker. And honestly, if I'm being honest with you, I have no idea where they turn when you're looking at all those elite level quarterbacks that were kind of there. It's kind of things are starting to shake out with commitments. And now Wimsett looks like he's trending to Rutgers. Um, I don't really know. Obviously, you know, they'd want to take a quarterback. You have to think that Bo Allen's going to be a part of your program, Kai Sheeran. Uh, obviously, Will Levis, too. There, there's still a lot of eligibility and years there, but you want to take one in that class. Maybe Kentucky looks at the transfer portal. Maybe it ends up being an option like that, or maybe they find find somebody flying under the radar. I really honestly don't know. I think that's something that we're kind of going to have to watch and see how that develops when it comes to offers over the coming weeks and months, and then obviously whatever ultimately ends up happening with Wimset. Uh, there for a while, I, I was assuming that Wimsett would be a Kentucky Wildcat, but it certainly does look like that Rutgers is the trending uh, pick there. And uh, trying to see if there's anything else, football in the mailbag. I think we had a couple in DM. Sorry, I'm kind of going back and forth here. Okay, I did have one. And a lot's been happening with the transfer portal this week, of course. I mean, you had Bryce Oliver leave, and then you follow that with uh, Allen Daly. So four wide receivers since the season ended, have left Kentucky via the transfer portal, Uh, Khalil Brenham, and then Akeem Hayes being the other two. So Braxton asks, what's your opinion on players dissing Kentucky on Twitter? Actually think it's something internal going on? I don't. I think what you're seeing right now on social media, you know, Kelvin Joseph come out and said, hey, we need some wideouts at UK football. Y'all tap in. And then Akeem Hayes replied they're running them all away. I think – it's not bad that they're dissing because obviously when you've been a teammate of a player, you're going to stick up for that teammate. You're going to, to kind of go to bat for them, whether that be on social media or wherever. And then when it comes to this situation, if you listen to the rundown episode that I released early this morning, I think honestly that this is a good thing more than it is a bad thing. Sure, when you see a bunch of players in mass exodus, Max Exodus leaving your program, at one position, it can be alarming. But when you're breaking in a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive scheme, I think it almost has more to do with those guys maybe didn't fit what Liam Cohen wants to do at Kentucky offensively in year one. You obviously bring in Wondell Robinson, Josh Ali's returning. They really, really like Mike Drennan there as a young piece. you got good freshman wide receivers coming in. You have some guys that were in that class last year that you think can make a splash, Isaiah Cummings, Ernest Sanders, I think that that has more to do with it, that they've identified kind of the guys that fit. And I also think that Derek has been spot on with saying that they're going to probably add at least one more via the transfer portal after the spring, possibly more. All depends on exactly how many roster spots they have open there. And if, we'll, if they will want to fill all those scholarships or kind of save some for that following class coming in as well. But I don't think it's a bad thing that these guys are leaving. I mean, certainly when you lose Allen Daly, a guy who started all 11 games last season, you would like to have that guy. And they did include him in some of the highlight videos, that the uh, Twitter video that they put out of Liam Cohen through practice yesterday. So I thought it was very odd timing that Daly did decide to leave. But I think that's a position where when you have Wondell Robinson coming in, there's some talent there that I think Kentucky will be just fine and will find some playmakers On the outside, I think that pretty much covers everything on the football side of things with the mailbag. So let's go ahead and let's transition into the basketball side of things. Obviously, the big question that everybody keeps asking is just talking about roster attrition and the way that it kind of looks for next season. So we've had a lot of discussions about the two and three positions next year. So this question is continue recent discussion of the two and three positions, new additions based on BJ returning versus BJ not returning. Yeah, that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the piece right there. Derek and I have talked a lot about it when it comes to BJ Boston, how this roster could look if he's there and how it could not look or how it could look if he's not there. Um, Devin Askew has said that he's coming back or his father has said to Jack Pilgrim of KSR, that was a week ago today. So that's a guy back in the backcourt. Dante Allen's mother did confirm to the Falmouth Outlook on Monday that Dante is coming back. So that's a, that's a look there. Uh, two pieces in your backcourt. You have Nolan Hickman coming in next season. Uh, Ah, it's hard to really put it out there because we we just don't know like there's so many names going in the transfer portal right now. Uh, Marcus Carr from Minnesota decided to go into the portal today. He is going to test the NBA draft process but leave open the option to go to college and I think the the last thing I said was there would be about three schools on his list. We don't have those schools right now. I would expect if that kid is playing college basketball next season honestly you can kind of see a path to where Kentucky would want to get involved in that. When you're talking about a kid who scored 19 points per game and you're needing a guy in the backcourt to score, I would expect Kentucky to possibly be involved. Uh, Maybe that's something that we find out pretty soon. Justin Powell, obviously we know the interest there in Kentucky. We also know the interest from Kentucky uh, being a Kentucky kid. I could see that one playing out. Davion Mintz is still kind of uh, up in the air with his decision. We have no idea what's going to happen with that. We also have a question about Davion, which I will get to here in a moment. But I think what it, what it boils down to is I think Nolan Hickman, regardless of what they add, I do think that Nolan Hickman will be an upgrade. I've watched his tape. I really, really like his game. I think he fits what John Calipari wants to do with the point guard. He, he's very smooth with the ball. His jumper looks very good. Uh, I really like his game. I think that's going to be an upgrade at that position, whether Devin Askew slides off the ball, whether he backs up Nolan Hickman. I do think Kentucky's backcourt will be better, but I do think that there's going to be at least one guy from the transfer portal be added to that backcourt, possibly two. I think that that's the way, uh, whether if now if B.J. Boston comes back, I could see them only adding one guard from the transfer portal. If BJ does not come back, I do think that the transfer portal will uh, probably feature two guards unless Davion Mintz does surprise or uh, and say he's coming back. Now, I have no idea what's going to happen with that. A few weeks ago, I thought it was kind of a given that he was going to, but uh, now I'm not really sure. So let's go ahead and get on to that discussion. So there was a question here. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, From Emmett, what the hell is going on with Mints? So, if you're wondering why Emmett's asking that, so Davion Mints kind of got a little cryptic with an Instagram post this week, and posted it was song lyrics, and song lyrics, uh, you know, will definitely create some storylines depending on what they say. And I'm trying to find it here. Okay, so it's Davion Mints shooting a jumper at Rupp Arena. Looks like during pregame or something for a game, and the lyrics on the screen says, I left the season to come back with a reason. So is that Davion Mintz being cryptic and just kind of hinting that he's going to come back to Kentucky? Or is that just uh, song lyrics and looking into it too much? I'm, I'm going to say it's just a song. I'm not going to get too caught up in looking into song lyrics when it comes to what Davion Mintz has posted to his Instagram story. But Davion Mintz is obviously a big off season decision when it comes to the the roster for next season and just how this roster is going to play out. It, it's such a mess right now because you honestly can see a lot of different scenarios playing out. I, I could see Mintz back in Kentucky. I could see Mintz going on and playing somewhere else. I know Larry Vaught talked to a pro source overseas that was saying that Mintz would much rather, I think it, I can't remember, I don't want to quote it incorrectly, but it was discussing that Mintz would rather have another year of Kentucky than just going the pro route overseas. So that's positive news. I think Larry reported that maybe on Wednesday, possibly Thursday. You could probably find that on Larry's Twitter. I think it's at VotViews. So that was some encouraging news. Uh, We're late in the week here on Friday. I don't know if we're going to get another decision this week or this weekend. It might be next week, but Davion Mintz is certainly one to watch. Um, Moving through the mailbag here, trying to find questions that are similar. That way we can stay on topic with it. Uh, Here's a question from Tanner. Who do you have more confidence in as of today going into next season, basketball or football? Very good question, Tanner. Given both teams, both programs are transitioning, one, football we know is going to change. We know the offense is going to be different. Bringing in Liam Cohen, completely different scheme, completely, Completely different mindset, everything with approach. They're still going to run the football, but we also know that they're going to sling the football around. And honestly, Kentucky got to a point to where they had to do what? They had to change. If they wanted to keep climbing the ladder and continue winning in the SEC, they had to change. Well, you can say the same thing for John Calipari here. I've not been to a Final Four since 2015. Obviously, you have one of the worst seasons in the history of Kentucky basketball. I'm, going to, I'm actually going to say it's probably the worst season in kentucky basketball given the talent that they had coming in and expectations i'm going to say though hmm i'm going to say i have more confidence in basketball when it comes to if we're talking about elite status if we're talking about winning the sec and competing for a national championship i'll say i have more confidence in basketball because i, I think that given it's john calipari you know he's going to end up Piecing this roster together to the point to where the fans will at least be optimistic heading into next season, and we know this—they won nine games this season. We're going to be sitting here in May, and we're going to be sitting here drooling over the guys they have on this roster. We all know that that's going to happen, whether that's filled from the portal or via the high school route or whatever it is. But that does not mean I do not have confidence in Mark Stoops and what Kentucky is doing. I think they're going to put themselves in position to have a very good year. But if we're talking about winning and winning the SEC, I'm going to go Kentucky basketball having more confidence in that going into next season because I honestly think that John Calipari will lose sleep at night making sure that a bad season does not happen again. I, I'm i going to say Kentucky gets back on track to the point that they're right there in contention for hopefully a top four seed going into next year. Uh, obviously, a lot of things have to play out, but I would be shocked if Kentucky basketball just has another awful year. I know some people – are kind of thinking that they could be bad again. I know we've talked about it on this show, but I just expect a lot of changes to this roster. When Jimmy Doc said eight new guys at first, I didn't believe it, but the more I kind of look at this thing, I could see a lot of new faces on this roster moving into next year, and obviously we have to wait and let that play out. Uh, Alan has a question. He has a couple, actually. Prediction for next season's basketball roster, including returning guys, incoming freshmen, and transfers. Uh, Alan, if you've listened to the previous part of this, you I think you can tell that we, none of us really know what it's going to look like. Uh, if Derek were here, we could kind of rattle each other's brains a little bit, bounce it off some ideas. I do think that you're going to see some new faces in the backcourt, and I have a feeling you're going to see – I think they'll add at least a frontcourt piece here down the stretch, I, unless they get everybody back. Like Keon Brooks still has not come out and said anything. Um Obviously, Isaiah Jackson has declared for the NBA draft, leaving open the option to return to Kentucky. So we'll have to see exactly what happens with that. But Jacob Toppin, we expect him back. Lance Ware, I know there was a report earlier this week saying that Lance Ware had shot down transfer rumors. Obviously, you want to kind of wait and see some confirmation on that before you run with it. Uh, Damian Collins coming in. Oscar Shoeblade there in the front court. But I could see them possibly if they if they lose a front court guy, I could see them adding a guy via the portal, and then obviously I expect them to add a lot to the back court. That, that's where I think the biggest change on this roster has to happen. I think the front court is going to be fine. I think Damian Collins coming in. Let's say Isaiah Jackson leaves. I think Damian Collins and what he does kind of replaces some of the things that Jackson did. You obviously get the elite athleticism and the defender. I really like Oscar Shoeboy. I think that is kind of the piece that honestly gives me more confidence in Kentucky moving into next season because he's a guy that fits what Cal wants to do at the five spot. He's a he's a bully ball big. He's going to post you up, beat and bang on you, about 6'10", 260, big body, really fits that physical culture that UK and Cal have had over the years with their five men. I really like that. I mean, you go you go back to DeMarcus Cousins, that big body. Uh, Dakari Johnson was a big body big there. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns could beat on you. That, I, I think that Oscar really fits. And if you watch his tape, he was the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year for a reason. And I think he has all the potential to be one of the elite-level bigs, not only in the SEC next season, but in college basketball. So I'm definitely excited to see how that plays out. So I think that the backcourt, honestly – is where Kentucky really needs to primarily focus on this offseason. You've got to get better at guard. You've got to get a scoring guard there, uh, whether that be Marcus Carr in the transfer portal, whether that be Justin Powell, uh, Nolan Hitman comes in. You've got to get something figured out. You also have Sky Clark there as a 22 commit. Uh, what happens? What do we look like? What's this roster look like in May? Is, is Sky Clark a possible reclassification at that time? Uh, We'll have to wait and kind of see exactly how that plays out. The second part of Alan's question, with Barbie unlikely to get Fordham, is his departure less likely? Or, in your opinion, will he he be mentioned for other head coaching jobs? Uh, Alan, I actually had a phone conversation with someone earlier today, and we were talking about Tony Barbie. And I was mentioning that even though it looks like he's not going to go to Fordham, somebody asked, do I think that they will have any staff changes? I could see Barbie's name popping up for some other head coaching jobs. I mean, obviously, you kind of want to wait and see how all this shakes out with teams in the tournament, uh, teams in the NIT. Does does a coach leave a team here in the coming weeks? Does does somebody get fired with maybe somebody releasing something with uh, some of the scandals, recruiting violations? You you don't really know exactly what's going to happen. With that, but I could see Barbie's name pop up for another head coaching job. I'm I'm not ready to say that it's a done deal that they make a change to the staff this year. I think Cal feels comfortable with the guys he has in place. I also say this: I don't think that Kentucky's nine and sixteen season really had anything to do with the guys that are on staff. I think that this team was just poorly constructed overall, from top to bottom, when it came. And you know, John Calipari is the guy that ultimately signs off on everyone, so I don't want to lay the blame. At the feet of a guy on the staff, uh, but it kind of feels like it was a cumulative effort. I know Cal has kind of defended the staff there at the end of the SEC term. He was talking that he and the staff done everything he could to get this thing turned around this season, and it just did not work out. Um, so I don't, I honestly don't see Cal firing anyone. The only way there'd be a change is if Barbie or Joel Justice or someone took a head coaching position. But it, I will say this it does feel like at some point Tony Barbie will be a head coach again. I think that he came to Kentucky after the Auburn firing to kind of just get back in rhythm, kind of find his way back to another job. And uh, you know at some point somebody's going to pull the trigger on Tony being a U.K. assistant, and uh, he'll he'll end up getting another head coaching job at some point. Uh, David, finally after this horrible basketball season's over with, do you guys think Cal – has made changes to his coaching staff to appease the fan base for next year's team. Also, do you think there will be a new recruiting strategy and taking more transfers and high school players in the future, uh, David? So I touched on the staff stuff there. Not really sure exactly what happens, but I will say this: if there is a change to the staff, let's say that somebody does leave. Let's say that Tony Barbie does find a job here in the next month or so. I mean, obviously the Kenny Payne stuff happened late in the year last year. I mean, happened late in the summer so you you just don't know exactly you know how it all plays out we're still months away from it kind of fi- being finalized i don't know if they'll hire anyone else i could see them kind of just moving someone up you you just added jay lucas to the staff a year ago i think they feel really good about jay obviously when recruiting turn returns to in person which i think it will at some point especially if the uh vaccination rate and the the positive test rate of COVID and stuff continues to decline there and vaccinations go up. I I could see things returning to normal, maybe not for the beginning of this next recruiting cycle, but late in it and maybe the one that follows by next summer. Jay's the guy, obviously, that's going to be on the recruiting trail there for UK doing some things. I I think that you could probably just uh, not even feel that position if someone leaves. You could slide him up. Obviously, you got Tony Barbie, Bruiser Flint, Joel Justice, Jay Lucas all there. So you got four guys behind Cal. So I could see it being uh, just three assistants, or if they choose to do so, maybe promote someone else. But we have no idea when it comes to that. That will all play out over the coming weeks. But as far as recruiting strategy, I think you're spot on with it when you're asking whether or not it's going to transition to the portal. I think that obviously John Calipari – is the guy who has been ahead of the game a lot in his career, not just at Kentucky, whether it was at UMass, whether it was at Memphis, and Memphis is where he really got it rolling with the one and Duns That's where he started doing it before all the other programs started doing it. Benefited from that, won a national championship from it, got the Final Fours, but now what's going on? The G League's coming into play. So now the elite-level talent is going to be recruited by the G League. At some point, In the future, you know that the NBA is going to do away with the whole one-and-done thing and guys are going to be allowed to go to the league out of high school. You know that's coming at some point, especially with image, name, image, and likeness and everything transitioning to that. I honestly think the transfer portal might be how John Calipari fills his roster out. Do you feel more confident taking, let's say, a guy who's rated a roster filler? Like, Jamal Baker was a roster filler late in the class, Johnny Juzang was a roster filler late in the class. Uh, You saw those guys as young guys in the program who weren't ready to kind of step in and contribute. Do you take a guy who's ranked 35 to 60, or do you kind of just wait and take an experienced guy from a program who decides to leave, who has collegiate experience, whose body is ready to play collegiately right away? I do think that you will see a change in approach, but also think that, Um, There's a reason to be optimistic about John Calipari and his approach, too, because his radio show Monday night, he was mentioning that skill set is kind of uh, overshadows a length in athleticism. It's something I never thought I'd ever hear John Calipari say. It's something I think we all needed to hear him say because we've all we've all seen the game change. The game has definitely changed to shooters skill set, the floor being space, the floor being open. And uh, maybe, just maybe, we will get to see exactly how he fills out this roster with the transfer portal and things like that. Does he target guys that can shoot the basketball? Uh, Shane, he said, hey, guys, I have a couple questions. Do you see assistant coach leaving the program, and what's the deal with Brooks? Uh, Devin asked you asking Louisville and Indiana if they're interested, and what's the latest on the transfer? Do you see Kentucky picking up anybody? Obviously, we've touched on the staff. Uh, With Keon Brooks and the Devin Askew stuff, um, I mean, obviously a lot of it's rumors. You know, Keon Brooks' dad shot that down last week saying that, you know, they hadn't talked to anybody. Uh, The stuff with Devin Askew kind of came out and released after Devin's father had already said that he was coming back to Kentucky. So don't really know a whole lot on that. Um, And then with transfers, obviously we've talked about Justin Powell. Uh, We've we've talked – I know – C.J. Frederick has been a name that's been mentioned, too, from Iowa just some in Passing. You see reports of that on message boards. You uh, Garrison Brooks at North Carolina, I know the name's been thrown up there, but, I mean, these are guys that are still playing in the NCAA tournament. So as teams lose in this tournament, watch for the portal to fill up even more. So you got a first day of the NCAA tournament happening right now. I would expect by Monday when this thing is cut down to 16 teams after this coming weekend. I would expect the portal to kind of blow up with some guys. Not saying that those guys will be instant connections to Kentucky or something like that, but you can kind of expect the portal to continue increasing as teams' seasons end. There will be players that leave these programs that are in NCAA tournament right now. So that portal, names are going to be added to it. So I think that this is a process when it comes to filling out this roster that it's not going to be done quickly. I think it's going to be done over the course of time. I think that they're going to identify some guys that they like, kind of play out those recruitments, and see exactly what happens. I mean, obviously Olivier Saar didn't go into the portal until May, didn't commit to Kentucky till last May. Uh, obviously that happened after Danny Manning was fired and everything. You'll have the NBA draft. You'll have those players enter the draft. You'll have them take their name out of the draft. We'll, the people decide to leave the portal after that. A lot of things go into this. It's going to be a messy offseason, in my opinion. Not only does COVID kind of make it messy, but just all the the transfers, the portal, the one-time transfer rule and stuff going into effect. I think that that makes for a very intriguing and interesting offseason. But as far as the Keon Brooks, Devin Askew stuff, I don't know a ton on that. I know that that stuff was floating out there kind of as soon as Kentucky lost in the SEC tournament. But other than that, I kind of don't want to go off of uh, scuttlebutt and stuff like that. Obviously, when Keon's dad comes out and shuts it down, and then Devin Askew's dad comes out not long after that Friday morning and says that he's locked in at Kentucky, we'll kind of let that play out for itself. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of today's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Keith says, why do you think no one questions why kids like Greg Brown won't leave Texas because of his playing time? However, at UK, everyone is questioned if they will leave after one year. I think it's just the culture. I think that's the culture that's been established at Kentucky, whether that was intentional or not. I I certainly don't think it was intentional. When John Calipari got hired at Kentucky the year he took over and had John Wall and those guys, I honestly don't think that John Calipari thought he'd get to a point to where he would lose freshman averaging two or three points a game. I really don't think he did. I honestly, too, I don't think that John Calipari ever thought that there would be a rule going to place that would allow transfers to transfer one time without penalty of having to sit out a season. Like the game, think about how much the game has changed in the decade that John Calipari has been in Kentucky. It's changed a lot Uh, with the one and done, other teams adapting and and starting the one and done their sale. I mean, look at the guys, Kate Cunningham at Oklahoma State, which I know had to do with the family hire, Ben Simmons at LSU, the list goes on and on with where – Ten years ago, those schools didn't get the one-and-done kids. It was Kentucky getting the one-and-done kids. They were getting all of them. And then Duke jumped in. It was Kentucky and Duke, Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas. Uh, But now that's kind of changing and playing out. So I think just the culture at Kentucky to where kids come to Kentucky, and I, I think regardless of what they're ranked Even if it's a 60, 60, 65, 70-ranked player, I think these kids come to Kentucky thinking that the program itself is going to make it a pro. And I think that that's a culture issue there, that I just don't know how you change it when it comes to recruiting high school kids. I mean, you're talking 18-, 19-year-old kids coming into college, and they think that they're going to be millionaires after one season. And I'm not saying anything bad about those players. I mean, I would would probably think the same way if I was 18 and 19 and went to Kentucky. But I think the the kids that have the most success at Kentucky, you're obviously going to say the one and dones, the kids that benefit and can go in the lottery or the first round after one season. But then you look at situations like Emmanuel Quickly, who I think knew coming into Kentucky, hey, I'm going to develop myself into this. I'm not ready after one year. It was evident. He wasn't leaving. Saw a role there. I think it gets tricky, though, when you're some of these kids that you look and you see elite-level freshmen coming in. I know a big deal is being made about Johnny Juzang right now. Obviously, he played very well against Michigan State in last night's game in the NCAA tournament. But when it comes to Johnny Juzang, him leaving Kentucky had more to do with being homesick. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think that kind of gets lost. But obviously, too, when you look and you see B.J. Boston, you see Terrence Clark, you see Devin Askew, you see three guys who are highly rated kids coming in, and you're a guy who kind of struggled to get on the floor as a freshman, not saying this about Johnny, but just anyone, I think it kind of changes your mindset, especially if you do have aspirations of playing in the league. I think that's the biggest thing at Kentucky, and I I think you don't just see it at Kentucky. I think you see it at other places as well maybe not at Texas, but, yeah, we're we're to a point here where we're discussing whether uh, Lance Ware and some of these players will be coming back to Kentucky where at any other program it's a given, right, that those guys will be on the roster next season. But regardless of whoever makes a decision, whether it be Dante Allen's mom coming out and saying he's for sure coming back or Lance Ware, somebody from his camp, comes out and says he's coming back, it's groundbreaking news because it's at Kentucky. And I know that's very frustrating for fans uh, but we'll exactly we'll have to see how it all plays out and everything over the coming weeks. A very good question, Keith. So Luca, Luca uh would Justin Powell start on next year's team? What are his biggest strengths and weaknesses? I think he would. I mean, does BJ Boston on next year's team? I think that kind of plays into it, but I think Justin Powell would start on next year's team if, if he's on Kentucky's roster as far as biggest strengths and weaknesses, I mean, obviously his strength, he can shoot the basketball. Uh, I want to watch a little bit more tape on him though, and see if he, if his, if he facilitates because he was in Auburn system where they take a lot of jumpers, or if that was actually kind of a part of his game. I know he's very good with with when moving the ball. He, has, he takes very good shots. Uh, he obviously helps space the floor with his ability to shoot, but as far as his weaknesses would go, I don't know if he's the best off the bounce as far as creating his own shot and being creative with his dribble. Uh, and then two, maybe his athleticism. When it comes to talking about an NBA uh, prospectus or something moving forward, I don't really know if his game with athleticism kind of translates to that. So that's where I would say the most when it comes to uh, maybe his strengths and weaknesses. But I I do think that if Justin Powell ends up being a Kentucky Wildcat, I I could see him starting at Kentucky next season. I mean, obviously we didn't have a huge sample size, I think 10 games, most of it non-conference. But he did put up very good numbers across the board. Uh, And you obviously, you can't underestimate the value of experience, even if it's 10 games of experience. And then being a Kentucky kid too, um, I think that there would be a chance that he would step in and play quite a few minutes at Kentucky. I'm trying to make sure I haven't missed any questions here. Sorry, I've been rambling on. It's so different doing the mailbag episode on your own. Um. Okay, right here. Oh, I missed one from football. This is from Justin. Isn't a complete overhaul of a very disappointing wide receiver corp a good thing when introducing a new L.C.? Justin, I don't even think I have to answer it because it's pretty much what I said earlier. You you answered the mailbag question for me there when it comes to football. I, I think that that's exactly spot on, especially at a position where that's been the one that we've talked about for years, right? I mean, Lynn Bowden, obviously, it weakened that when he got moved to quarterback. And then, um, obviously, Ahmad Wagner there as well didn't have anybody that could really get him the football after they did transition to Lynn. So that, that's the position that you want to see Kentucky improve at the most, Along with, uh, I think, a game-changing quarterback. I think that's the other thing that's been missing from the program when it comes to uh, long-term, As they, they want to get that centerpiece in. Do they have that on campus now in Bo Allen? Is Will Levis that, guys? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But, yeah, you're spot on when talking about the wide receiver. and it, it, I don't think it's a bad thing that, that guys are leaving the program. Um, making sure, okay, we have another one. Uh, back to Final Four. Enters the mailbag again. Do you and Derek not feel UK Cal have got to address the point guard position? I feel like at least one, two of UK's problems this year were attributable to poor point guard play. How does Cal address this glaring need? Men's question mark, is there a legit transfer point guard option? Sorry to sound pessimistic, but is this not the most obvious glaring need going into next year? Yeah, I said that a minute ago that I think that, the guard position is the biggest position when it comes to improvement, whether Kentucky improves next season or not. You win games with backcourt. You've got a really strong frontcourt, obviously adding Oscar. you got Damian Collins. You expect some pieces back there in the frontcourt as well, unless something surprising happens over the next few months. The backcourt's where it's going to be. You know, Devin Askew supposedly as of right now is coming back. You've got Nolan Hickman. Uh, coming into the program, who I think will be an upgrade at the point guard position and, and be capable of doing some more things. I, I really like his game. I think he kind of fits. And the reason I think I have a little bit more confidence in what they do is that's a recruitment that was kept very quiet for a reason. Uh, Tony Barbie and John Calipari identified Nolan Hickman when they were going to watch uh, Paolo Carroll. Nobody knew Kentucky was in on Hickman until the moment he pretty much committed to Kentucky, which tells me it's a guy that Cal and Kentucky wanted from the moment they saw him, which tells me they think he's a fit. Instead of And I, I really, really, if you turn his highlight tape on, you'll really like his game. So I feel better about that. But when it comes to to Mintz, I think Mintz done a really good job late in the season when they moved into point. Obviously, his assist numbers went up. Kentucky's offense went up. Dante Allen benefited from it in the SEC tournament. Um, that's a guy that I think you want on your roster next season. If you can get Davion Mintz to return, and whether that be playing point guard at times, or that be off the ball at the two, a guy that can kind of do both. But when it comes to the point guard position, if Kentucky does not feel that Nolan Hitman is the guy, and let's say they don't want to go into another season with Devin Askew having to play significant minutes at the one, uh, maybe some spot minutes at the one, play some at the two, then I think that that's where the transfer portal comes into play. I don't know how much point, though, that Justin Powell would play if he ends up at Kentucky. That's why I've been coming off and saying that I could see them possibly adding two pieces to the backcourt from the transfer portal, depending on what happens with B.J. Boston. I mean, obviously, we're talking if Justin Powell comes to Kentucky, B.J. Boston returns, Devin Askew's there, Nolan Hickman's there, if Mintz comes back, somebody's got to go. There, There is no way – that you can have that many options, along with Dante Allen as well, in the backcourt. It it just does not make sense. So if you start seeing a lot of – if they start taking guys from the portal, you have Nolan Hickman coming in, that's what I'm saying, that this thing's a long way from over. You know, people can say that they're coming back next season, but what does the roster look like in late May, and do people change their mind? I, I don't know. John Calipari and his staff, that are going to – I don't want to say they'll recruit over people, but when you just had a 9-15, and 9-16 season, I don't think hurting someone's feelings and recruiting over them is going to be a bad thing. You can't, you can't be thinking about that. I think they're at a point right now where you got to think about the program and you cannot have another season like this again. Uh, he also has a second question here. Is Garrison Brooks a legit possibility? I may be in the minority, but I would like his addition because I'm not sure I'm convinced Cal is going to change the way he plays. He wants a legit post player. I really don't know about Garrison Brooks. I know that was a report that was out there a little over a week ago that kind of surfaced and kind of had some uh some talk there, but obviously with North Carolina still being an NCAA tournament, you can't I don't want to just speculate until names go into the transfer portal. That's why I haven't mentioned CJ Frederick much and, and names like that. Once those names go in the portal, then you will pretty quickly tell whether or not Kentucky is interested in taking those guys, but certainly there have been some connections there when it comes to message boards and sources and things that have linked Kentucky to a couple of people. But I, I want to wait until those names officially go into the transfer portal before we move on and actually start talking about them. Uh, a couple more questions here. This one comes from Casey is a group of Hickman mints Powell, Brooks, Oscar, a contender along with the bench, Askew, Allen, Toppin, Collins. That seems like best-case scenario at this point, but looks more like a sweet 16 to me. Yeah, and if you're talking roster right now, I I do feel confident that a lot of those pieces will be on next year's roster as far as Hickman, Dante Allen, Toppin, Collins, uh, Oscar. I do feel really good about those. Askew, obviously, his dad has said that. Uh, Brooks, until something comes out, I don't I don't think I'm not going to assume that Keon Brooks is leaving the Kentucky program. Obviously things can surprise us and catch us off guard. Uh it could happen before I even publish the episode. We we know how this thing works when it comes to Kentucky basketball offseason attrition. But looking at that roster, it all boils down to what? Is Kentucky's point guard play better? If Nolan Hickman is the guy and he can man that position, beat someone off the bounce, f- facilitate and run the show and make offense easy for Kentucky while still being able to get his own, you like, you like a perimeter that includes Davion Mintz and Justin Powell. If Justin Powell commits to Kentucky and if Davion Mintz comes back, you you got enough shooting there with Dante Allen, obviously. If Askew can improve his game and shoot. But, yeah, I think that that does look like a Sweet 16 team. Depending on draw, you could see it possibly – running to the Elite Eight, if they if somebody gets upset and they have favorable matchups, I certainly would not label that team an NCAA title contender. But I also want to see what it looks like when everything is said and done here in the next few weeks. Once we get into May and this roster is set, we will give our takes on exactly what we think Kentucky will be. Now, I'll also tell you this, uh, you you come to us for opinions and stuff, but – were the same two guys that was picking Kentucky to go to the Final Four with this roster that included Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston. Now we know there were injuries and they never did play with their full roster and set until the, the end of the season there, but uh, certainly we thought Kentucky would do much better. Another question from Casey, if when Boston clark mints leave, we could have Allen and Powell starting. think U.K. fans would be happy if we make it to Sweet 16 but have two Kentucky boys starting and averaging 10-plus points per game. Yes and no. Kentucky fans would be happy because they have Kentucky kids to cheer for, but Kentucky fans are never going to be happy about getting to the Sweet 16. Casey, I honestly, they could say they will, but the moment they lose to the Sweet 16, I think the narrative would honestly change to Cal doesn't get the elite level talent anymore. Kentucky fans, I've said it multiple times, and it's not a bad thing. If you're listening to the show and you're one of these fans, it's definitely not a bad thing because it's the passion that makes this program what it is. As long as Kentucky is winning and they they have a chance at a national title, they have a chance at a Final Four run, no one cares how this roster is constructed as long as it wins. Now, if you can mix in some of these elite rosters and there's kids from Kentucky that contribute, I think that's the perfect recipe when it comes to success and keeping everyone happy. Uh, I, th- I think that that's spot on with that. But when it comes to the program, People want to win, and as long as John Calipari is winning games, I don't think anyone's going to be uh, very upset. So Shane has been given the the thinking questions here, and I'm kind of upset that Derek can't be here for this one. What is your favorite celebration from a U.K. player? The Boogie Cousins call me. Carl Anthony Towns flexing and pointing at his biceps toward the Louisville bench will always be front runners, but Terrence Jones flexing after literally every dunk never gets old. I remember fondly that one time he was so focused on flexing he didn't realize he missed the dunk, slipped and sweat, and opposing team got easy transition bucket. Kyle was so upset he called a timeout just to pull him. I remember that 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 was funny. Obviously, P.J. Washington and kind of flexing and doing the stare and the the the, the mug and everything there. I I think that that was a very interesting one. I'm gonna go Jamal Murray though. I thought the blue arrow. Really fit. I thought it fit that season the way that that team shot with a backcourt of him and Ewis. I think that that was one of my favorite celebrations because it became a thing that fans always did. You go back to the Deron Lamb three-point goggles. I think that was a good one. Uh, but if you're just talking about single moment, one celebration, never doing it again, you got to go Boogie Cousins. Call me right. Like that. That's got to be. That's got to be the thing. But as far as a team thing and it kind of moving throughout the entire roster. Who could ever forget Jamal Murray shooting, and I think it was EJ Floreal, pretended like he got hit with the arrow, and then they revived him on the sideline on the bench. I think that uh, is my favorite celebration from a UK player. Very good question. Uh, Keep adding those to the mailbag. I always try to end on that one. It's kind of a a light one that we can kind of laugh about. I really don't know what Derek would have said. Maybe uh, next week I can get his thoughts on that. I'm making sure that I didn't miss anyone. Uh, Okay, one more, so I did miss one. Uh, Looks like we have three questions. If you believe that the relationship between Cal and the fans has soured, what would be a good way of mending that? Well, I think what I just said a minute ago. If if you take – Justin Powell. If you can land a Kentucky kid from Kentucky, Dante Allen coming in doing his thing, and then you have Reed Shepherd here uh, as an in-state prospect that I think is going to blow up as soon as we get to the summer circuit when it comes to the AAU games and the EYBL and wherever he plays, whether it's on the Gauntlet, Under Armour, it doesn't matter. I think that's going to be a kid that's going to get a lot of attention and a lot of big-time offers. I think more so though is Cal can, Cal gets defensive at times, especially when it comes to the fans. Whether he agrees with that or not, I think the biggest thing between that is when something's going on, you can't get upset if the fan base has a reaction. I mean, they're the fans. They were Kentucky fans before John Calipari was the coach at Kentucky. I think the fans make this program. And I think I was a fan before I was a media member, so I always have a strong opinion and a strong connection when it comes to Kentucky fans because I understand. I was a fan before I did this. But when it comes to kind of mending that relationship, I think mixing in Kentucky kids that contribute on very good Kentucky basketball teams would be a very solid start. And then another question, is it an either-or situation when it comes to Frederick and Powell? Would Cal ever take both? Both can shoot. I'll give you that and if you could add both to a roster next season, let's just say B.J. Boston's not a part of it. If B.J. Boston's a part of that roster and Davion Mintz comes back, I don't think that they add maybe just one guy from the portal. But if you lose B.J. Boston, and then depending on, I guess, what happens with Davion Mintz, I could see them adding two. I don't want to speculate on Frederick because he's not in the portal yet. He's still playing in the NCAA tournament. So I want to kind of wait before we really dive into those. And then says, I've heard other Kentucky news members downplay Mint's ability to play the point. Can you explain to me why he seemed to excel in the games where Cal slid him over to the one slot? I think it became a thing this season. And the one thing that I think really gets Cal, and I'm a big Cal fan. I've always been a big Cal supporter. Uh, I know when I coach, I've I've picked up a lot of things, a lot of drills, a lot of stuff that Cal does with how he builds his teams that I've used, with my teams that I coach. But I think Cal's biggest thing, and it's the one downfall I think a lot of coaches at all levels of sports fall back, that they fall on, and it's not good. You get to a point to where you get very stubborn, and you almost try to force things to work. And when it's not working, and everyone can see it not working but you, you got to be able to cut the cord. And I think cutting the cord this season was moving Devin Askew off the primary ball handler spot. Had Kentucky done that earlier in the season, I think that they could have won some of those games where there were collapses late and Davion Mintz would have been running the the one spot there. I don't know why people downplay that because I really like Davion Mintz with the ball in his hands. But if you could get a point guard that you can trust and that can run the show, I do think that Davion Mintz will be better off, off the basketball. So I think that, that maybe maybe that's where it came from. But the problem was the only way that you could have done that this season is had Terrence Clark been healthy and eventually developed into a primary ball handling role. Uh, but I do think that Cal was very stubborn for about four months there, rolling out Askew, 35, 34 minutes a game at the point guard spot. That wasn't I don't think that was the best thing for the team, uh, but I understood it. I think he felt like Devin Askew had to get to where he was going if this team was going to ever live up, up to its potential. But the problem is sometimes uh, you get to a point and that's not who guys are. Maybe uh, maybe that's who Devin becomes at some point. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Thank you all so much for the mailbags. Um, okay, I can say this. Lance Ware has posted to his Instagram story, yes, I'm coming back next year, dot, 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 dot. So you got that right here on this episode. So you can assume. I'm just going to say that that's coming from Lance himself. That is something that we're seeing with our own two eyes that Lance uh, put on his Instagram story, Lance.where. So I will, uh, I'll speak on that because it came from him. Yes, I'm coming back next year. So there's that. But. I just wanted to hop on here. It's been a long episode, I know. It's it's definitely hard. Sorry, it's just my voice for 49 minutes. I know that's not what you want to listen to the entire time. My thoughts and prayers go out to, to Derek. It goes out to his family. Derek is my podcast partner, but he's also one of my best friends. Derek is uh, family, and I think that you all that listen to this podcast, you listen to Kentucky Daily Weekly. I think Derek has become a part of your family as well. He's definitely become a part of your routine. Derek is someone I look up to in this profession, in this job. And my thoughts and prayers are out, out to you and your family this week, buddy. If you need anything, if you listen to this episode, uh, know that you got me here and whoever. And we look forward to getting you back on Kentucky Daily next week. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time. Everybody have a good weekend.